Hey, Cask Chasers, we'll start the show in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hi, I want to throw a tongue twister at you. Okay. All right. Cask Chasers Podcast. Cask Chasers Podcast. Cask Chasers Podcast. Cask Chasers Podcast. That's kind of difficult to say. A little bit. You know, it's not difficult to say. What's that? Black Tot Rum. Black Tot Rum. I did it. Yeah. Black Tot Rum. Black Tot Rum. Black Tot Rum. I drink it straight because it's glorious as a sipper, especially from a whiskey drinker's standpoint. But what you don't know is two weeks ago when it was your birthday, Mm -hmm. I made a rum punch with Black Tot Rum. You did? Yes. Orange juice, pineapple juice, some grenadine, some lime juice, and a whole bunch of Black Tot Rum. I remember the punch. And how delicious was it? Super delicioso. Boom. Impex Beverages, guess what we are? What? A proud sponsor of the Cask Chasers podcast. Cask Chasers podcast. Boom. (laughs) Hi, this is Sam Montgomery from Bardstown Bourbon Company. Pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cask Chasers podcast. Bobby, I have a surprise for you guys today. Uh-oh. You do? Is <laughs> not a little bit more excitement in that one? Are you pregnant? <laughs> or... Oh, my God. That's no, not... we already did that episode. Yeah. We did. I forgot. Yeah, Go on. That. Sorry. Is it gifts? Is it presents? Should I... we look under our chairs? I would say yes to the fact that it's a gift. Okay. No to the fact that you should look under your chair for it. That would be scary. All right. Okay. That would high. be. Um, do you guys remember the incredible dinner that we had with the folks at Bardstown in DC. How could I forget? I do remember that. It was a delight. It was amazing. Oh I, I really enjoyed it. That was the best steak I've ever had in my entire life. It I had I had I had a a, a thing. I had a whole moment. Like Katie literally looked over at me. I think I assume she looked over at me. My eyes were closed and she goes, "Is is Aaron okay?" Like I I had a Glorious. moment with some of that food. I got home and Dana was like, my wife was like, so tell me about these cocktails, and I did, and we've had everything from from Bardstown, and they make amazing amazing whiskey. She's like, well, tell me about the cocktails I did, and she's like, can you remake them? I'm like, that can never happen. I don't have that skill set, <laughs> and to find I'm not the, a to find the genie that made these whisk uh, these cocktails is impossible. They faded into the air. They were they were some amazing amazing cocktails. And they um, paired so well with the food too. Yeah, so it was it was yeah. very thoughtful. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. So what's uh, so what is so what, yeah? What, what why, are you, why are you bringing like, that up out of the blue? <laughs> Well, I don't have the food. Thanks a lot. Love you guys. Uh, (laughs) But our guest today is the national brand ambassador for Bardstown Bourbon, Sam Montgomery. So we've got Sam joining us. She's a rock star. Sam, are you there? I'm here. Hey, guys. How's it going? (laughs) Good, good. So we do cheesy intros that the listeners don't believe. (laughs) They never do. They shouldn't. What if we had a listener that was like, do they not really know they were having... (laughs) It's weird that they just don't know they who they're having on the show. The whole time. Does Katie just spring guest on them like they're supposed to? That's right. It's all part of the magic, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here to put on yeah. a show. Go with it. Yep. But no, I love we're, 
it's it'll be fun. Hopefully this is an indication of the nonsense coming your way, Sam. So thanks for joining. <laughs> yeah, happy to be here. I love I love starting off with cheesy intros, you know? It's sure to be a great time. We were, we were really excited in all seriousness to get you on the show. I know even before the dinner earlier on when Bobby and Aaron were introducing me to um, you know, some of the folks at Bardstown, Bardstown in general, uh, they were talking about who we could bring on to the show to really talk about um, you guys and, and what you do and kind of your story. And it was just so great to be able to meet you in person at the dinner and strike up a conversation and be like, She's the one. We need her on the show, that one. <laughs> so I'm so flattered. I think we met your, the Bardstown, I want to say, was she a CFO? Um, and mm-hmm. her name was insert Ingrid Gentry. Yes. Beautiful woman. She came up to us and introduced herself, and we had a great conversation. And she was one of, I don't know, five people that night, that night, that said, We absolutely have to meet you and talk to you. And then she introduced us to you, and that was that. And um, obviously, we do our research, so we knew you were it. So with Bardstown and your knowledge, your your videos, your posts, and everything else. So really, really yeah, excited. I, I still remember um, uh, Nick, Nicholas Lewis is who we were initially. Uh, is the first person from Bardstown that we had met and he, he said to, he he like pulled us aside and he went go talk to her <laughs> is what he said about about uh about Sam as well yeah. except he said it with a British accent so it sounded uh better yeah. when he said it. polite but yeah it sounded polite it, sounded it, polite. it wasn't it didn't feel polite but it sounded polite yeah. it's all the magic of his accent we That's like right. to actually uh say that he's actually from New Jersey um and that <laughs> And the accent is fake. Eastern New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> In all seriousness, that's um, awesome that that Nick and Ingrid said those nice things because I, I look up to both of them, especially Ingrid, so much. So I'm flattered all around. Thank you so much. Well, no pressure. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> So one of the things that I wanted to ask you, just kind of to jump in, um, you know, we've had a few different brand ambassadors and, you know, lots of people that are involved in kind of the positioning, the distribution, the sale of whiskey on the show before. I was hoping you could kind of give us a day in the life on what your job is and, and what it means to be a national brand ambassador. Like how much of the day are you just spending jet setting and living it up? And I'm kidding. <laughs> No, fair question. Um, interesting question because, you know, I, I still consider Bardstown Bourbon Company a startup brand. You know, we're we're very much new. We're very much still kind of, um, you know, ad- identifying ourselves as a brand along the way. So being the first ambassador for the brand kind of left the door wide open, which was uh, really overwhelming and exciting at the same time because it was uh, an open page that I could write. And so I think you know, the, the fun of it is that my, my job is different on a day-to-day basis, day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year, especially in the past couple of years dealing with the pandemic, right? So it's, it's hard to really generalize what a typical day looks like. Uh, but, you know, I, I do have one of the most fun jobs in the company because it's, it's largely focused on brand awareness and brand education. And, and just being able to talk to whiskey nerds, um, you know, me being a whiskey nerd about about bourbon in general as a category and how Bardstown Bourbon Company is kind of groundbreaking in, in the category and why um, is super exciting. So and and it's always evolving. Right. So sometimes 
I'm traveling. Like when I met you guys in DC, we're hosting dinners, we're, we're doing liquor store samplings, we're visiting accounts, showing love to the places that carry our product. Um, you know, last year during the quarantine, I was doing virtual cocktail classes once a week, uh, which was super fun and, you know, made me feel like I was still reaching an audience that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to. Um, and, you know, kind of deciding on, on how we spend a lot of our marketing dollars on, on like what trade engagements, what consumer engagements uh, year to year is, is largely what I do. Um, but you could ask me next month what I'm doing and that, and that entire story could, could be different. So it's really exciting for me because I, I was bartender for many, many, many years and I love bartending. I, I never want to take both feet out of it. And this is a job where I can keep one foot in and learn a lot at the same time. And just very, very fortunate that, you know, Bardstown Bourbon Company gave me that chance to be kind of the first face uh, or the, the educational voice for the brand because it's, it's been a super fun ride. So Sam, uh, sp- to sort of spin off of that, what you said, what, um, you know, your, your part of your job is to educate people on, um, you know, uh, bourbon as a category and Bardstown bourbon and what sets it apart. And we've talked a lot just about Bardstown, um, in our conversations, people have heard us mention it on the podcast, but we've never really dug into the brand specifically. And luckily we're talking to someone today, um, who, who knows a lot about the brand. Could you dig into that as, as though you were talking to our listeners for the first time and they've maybe heard the the name Bardstown a couple of times. Why is it different? What are you guys doing, et cetera? Well, I think the fact that we are the seventh largest whiskey producer in the States and we're only five years old is incredibly unique and unheard of, really. Um, it's typically you know, a long time before you can meet those numbers because most bourbon brands have to wait until their whiskey ages, right? And and are usually producing vodka or gin or something unaged in the meantime. So we are, you know, kind of turning heads as far as the industry people go. Consumers might not think that that's wild, but industry people certainly think that is crazy. And the reason being is because we're we're producing whiskey for other brands on a, on a large scale and doing custom recipes for them, which had never existed in the bourbon category before. Uh, so that's kind of how we were able to, to expand and grow day one, actually before day one of putting our stills actually in the distillery and having them up and running, we decided that we were going to uh, you know, make custom recipes and sold out that capacity for the next five years. And we knew we had to expand right away before we even turn the lights on quite literally. So, and it's something that you see in the beer category and the wine category. It's very common to see a large kind of contract producer making all these, you see all these different wine labels and beer labels and, and it's really all like coming from one place didn't really exist in the bourbon category with the exception of like MGP was a large, is still a large contract producer, but we came in and offered something a little more personalized via custom recipes. So typically brands like Jefferson's who had never, you know, had their own distillery before were kind of sourcing or using a contract distiller that had maybe 
A, B, and C recipes to choose from, right? But they were never able to say like, well, I want this to have more wheat or I want to use this specific yeast or I want our barrels to to come from this place and be charred this way. We we allow all of our customers that specification. So, um, and, and to dig even further into that, I don't want to geek out too hard, uh, but, you know, there's, you typically see a mass producer that, you know, produces in, in huge quantities and maybe has one to five recipes, or you see craft producers that are very small, usually only locally distributed, uh, that only make a few tons of recipes, if not hundreds of recipes, right? And it's pretty unheard of to find anybody that meets in the middle. You kind of have to choose one or the other. But we are uh, you know, producing 7.2 million proof gallons a year and we're doing over 50 unique recipes. So it's it's definitely, you know, one of our main pillars of our brand is innovation. And that's kind of where we, we're being bourbon innovators right there with the way we're kind of helping grow the industry, not just our brand, but kind of promoting entrepreneurship, offering brands a way to make their juice their own, uh, which will hopefully, you know, allow them to succeed a little more, get consumers to pay attention to them a little bit more. Um, so that's just one of one of many ways that we're we're offering something completely different in the category. I think it's interesting how dialed in and you can really if you really you talked about geeking out and we love geeking out. We have we have whiskey nerds that listen, thank God. How <laughs> dialed in you guys are with your whiskey to the point where you can tell you're making a product for someone else and for yourself in a good way. Um, I look at the proofs. I mean, there's plenty of direction to look at, but if you look at just the proof, we have two fusion series here. We have a 94.9 and a 98.9. And then we have the prisoner at a hundred proof. You are so dialed into the different, you know, spectrums of ingredient flavor profile to to really a reach a market and b to make a great product. It shows you're looking for quality. If if I'm an outside whiskey company and I'm looking for someone to produce my whiskey, not not to take away from MGP because I think MGP has great distillers, great blenders, and great people on the on the helm. That just shows the quality of product producing. Barstown is producing. It just shows how much care goes into it. Because a lot of people just say, it's 100 proof. That's what we do. That's our shtick. And nothing wrong with that. But you guys dial in so much. It's really amazing. Hey, Chasers. Aaron here. I wanted to talk about our sponsor, Wilderness Trail Distillery. If you want a great whiskey without the fake legends and made-up history, try some Wilderness Trail Fine Kentucky Bourbon. It's made by master distiller Shane Baker and fermentation expert Pat Heist, who you've heard on the podcast, at their distillery in Danville, Kentucky. They make a weeded bourbon, a high rye bourbon, and a Kentucky-grown rye whiskey. Wilderness Trail is offered in bottled in bond or cask strength. It's non-chill filtered, and the mash bill is on the side of every bottle, so you know what you're buying. This is real information. Not some magical recipe or who Shane's great-great-grandpa is. I'm telling you, keep an eye out for Wilderness Trail in your favorite store. If you happen to see a barrel pick or special release of Wilderness Trail on the shelf at your store, grab it. It's not going to last long. If you want more information, check them out online at wildernesstraildistillery.com. I want to talk about something else that kind of stands out to me that I really respect. There's a luxury piece to your to your look, to your bottle, to your brand. You you've done such a good job of not segregating yourself from everyone. It's it's a product for everyone, 
but it's also something I would serve at a at a fancy dinner, at a fancy tasting. There's a there's that piece. It's something I would pour on my back porch during a barbecue. You've com- accomplished the ability to to kind of meet every spectrum of of time and place on your whiskey. I, I think that's that's a piece that I think is amazing. I just think that's I think there's quality in that in itself. And that's just simply the marketing piece, the bottle look, the flavor, the profile and all of it. To have a Michelin star dinner, which bravo. And again, I've hung out with Aaron and just had this to just hang around and have it, you know, and share it with friends. I think that's impressive. I think first of all, thank you. Uh and and secondly, I think that that success and making it kind of versatile and approachable to, to whatever occasion you, you drink bourbon for is because of the, the approach we take to who decides what goes into the bottle. So when I first started with the company, I was on a team of four people that made up kind of our, our beverage group or our mixology group, right? We were the the professionals that came in to make sure that the the bar and the restaurant was set up, you know, competitively to, to big city bars. Right. And, and they did the same, you know, kind of recruitment in, in culinary. And then we became the first distillery to kind of have these three incredible, but different palettes under the same roof. Right. We don't just have master distillers that have been drinking bourbon since they came out the womb. We've got these, you know, individuals that are, professional balancing a cocktail and making an incredible dish. And I really am so grateful that our executive team decided that that would be a waste of talent to not use everybody's perspective when it came to how the bourbon should taste. So, and, and a lot of people hear us talk about this and say, well, yeah, but Steve, Steve has the final say at the end of the day. And it's not exactly true. That hasn't been exercised up to this point. So when it came time to blend our first products, Fusion One, Discovery One, we asked our bartenders and our chefs and some of our distillery pros to all come up with their their own blend. And they were given, you know, full uh, availability to all the barrels that, that Steve thought were ready to blend with, at least, you know, and... And like a combination on on a lock, you know, there was a million different ways mm-hmm. you could blend it. And everybody put in their blend. And over the course of a few weeks, we would blind taste them. So nobody knew who blended what and nobody knew what was in the blend. It was fully evaluated on the, the tasting experience. And we would have brackets, you know, like you'd see in a like a March Madness tournament bracket and kind of whittle it down till we had the best blend. And the people tasting in that room are chefs, bartenders, and just your your average bourbon drinkers are important too. You know, like we're not all master distillers. We don't all have that palate, right? So it was a really interesting approach. And that's why you see, you know, a lot of people using it in different ways and for different occasions. A lot of, yeah, I think it has a mass appeal that is a direct result from that process. And whether you're, uh, you know, drinking bourbon for the first time, or you're a connoisseur that wants to know everything about it, the label and the transparency on the label allows you to kind of figure out why you like this or educate yourself on, on bourbon in general, uh, as just kind of a stepping stone. So, um, you know, just a, another one of our kind of pillars of the brand is transparency 
and collaboration. And, and that's just, you know, how we, we bring it together and it's just it's made some incredible product. And we're, we're really happy about that. You know, hearing that story and hearing you explain like how these blends came to be makes so much sense to me now, because, you know, obviously I wasn't able to enjoy everything at the dinner. I had my own mocktails and then I was like stealing some noses or little, little sips from the guys while, uh, while we were going through it. But my impression was just, you know, how unique is it to find a bourbon that you would equally enjoy within a cocktail as you would just sipping it neat as you would maybe even cooking with it. I mean, I, I did that the other night. I like sauteed up some peaches with, I think it was um, one of the fusions that I took away mm-hmm. a little brown sugar on that. Didn't really need a whole lot, but it just was amazing. And I think that that just speaks volumes about exactly what you said, like the different, um, angles that everybody took because of their experience in making cocktails, making dinners, making, you know, a whole host of things to see how you can enjoy bourbon in different forms that really comes through in, in the ways that you can taste the Bardstown bourbon. So good job. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. We love to hear it. And I feel it's also, I, Bobby said luxurious earlier, and I'd like to echo that it's, it's luxury without pretense, I guess, if that makes, if that makes sense. Um, but like super luxurious, like it tastes, tastes high end, but it's full and it's, it's a satisfying bourbon, every single one I've had, you know? Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we keep talking about, you know, we, we went to this fantastic dinner and I mean, we put pictures and stuff on Facebook and Instagram and like, you know, it was high end stuff, really awesome stuff. But like at the same time, everybody there was just so cool and so laid back, you know? And I think, I think that's key. I think that's part of the key and just the team you guys have put together is just everyone's very approachable. Everyone is, you know, really passionate about the brand and about bourbon in general. And I just, I just really, I just really, I just really like that. I I think what I mean by the word luxury is it can be everything. It can fit in every category and that's what it does. And that's not just bottling, that's flavor. It's a complex in, I mean, we've been drinking the prisoner now. I've, I'm on my third glass. Yeah, I'm not we driving. we opened the prisoner tonight yeah. and pre-tasting. We'll be finishing it later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, it's you'll, a full bottle. A- we'll kill it. No, I. I it, so we're we're walking through these, and before we even came on, we were talking about it. The depth, the complexity, the you know, I. I I, I'm, I'm typically, and I'll be honest, a scotch guy, and mm-hmm. people know that, and the, you know, the list, I'm a scotch guy. When I go to bourbons, a bourbon really has to have depth and, and balance and, and a lot going on other than your typical molasses and vanilla that you get from a bourbon. Bardstown is there's a there's so much thoughtful complexity. Well, and, and they're it's, bottle to bottle, they're all good. But bottle to bottle, they're all different. Different too, stories. Which is what I really dig. Different conversations, different flavor profiles, different amounts of depth, different amounts of, you know, the balance, it, it, the complexity among the series. You could line three up and have a different, you can line three fusions up and have a different conversation. Well, so to <laughs> to that to that point, I want to dig into this just a little bit, um, Sam. When we were at the dinner and you were just coming around, you were talking to people and uh, we were talking about some of the uh, different expressions we'd had from Bartstown before. 
um, and uh, one tasting that we were at uh, where Nicholas was leading it, um, we had a couple of them. And I said, you know, I'd had a couple of the fusions. I'd had a couple of the discoveries. And I said, there was one discovery that really stuck out to me that I really, really enjoyed. And you got this look on your face and you went, which one? And I said, discovery three. And what did you say to me? I blended that. <laughs> so can you t- can you talk about that a little bit about sort of what that was? Because Be- before you do, that's the coolest thing on the planet. First yes, off, to, to sit across from the person that, that was a, that was a cool treat. Anyway, I yeah, it's super cool. It's super cool. So yeah, so as I mentioned, you know, the blending process is is very collaborative, and um, the way we decide it is is really based on the tasting experience. So it's not like everybody's kind of doled out you know, a chance, like everybody or, you know, a, a win, a trophy or whatever. Um, it's, it's very quite honestly, just, uh, you know, put in a blend and whoever makes it to the finish line gets, gets the blend in. So I, to be, to be honest, when I first started with the company, um, and was given the opportunity to blend, I was the only one on the beverage team that did not blend right away. Cause I was very intimidated and very like, there's no way I can blend like that. That just seems like such a, such a just an entire job in its own. And I'm, I'm still, you know, like trying to figure out like where my palate is and tasting whiskey. And like, I just, I had zero confidence. I didn't even give it a try. <laughs> and, um, but I wanted to, I was kind of like, Oh, I have to like be ready for this. Like I have to feel like I'm, I'm ready for this. So I, you know, worked really hard on training my palate. And when we were getting ready to, to submit blends for the third series, I took a lot of time on it. I was really confident in it. There was a point where I was thinking, and this was my biggest takeaway. And I actually just spoke at a bar convent Brooklyn about, about this, how to, how to train your palate and how to, start blending if you want to at home. And the thing that I, I kind of stopped myself in the middle and was like, I was thinking so hard about like what people want to taste and not really thinking about like what I wanted to taste. And I sort of like put it down and was like, why don't you just build the perfect bourbon for yourself? Because if you, if you like it, you know, as much as we think we're all, you know, unique, and special little snowflakes, unlike any other snowflake in the world. I sat down, started over, you know, from, from a different perspective, like this is for me, you know, who cares if I win, I just want to make the best taste that, that I could prefer and was really confident in what I turned in. And, um, it was actually at the height of the, it was at the beginning of the pandemic. I was gone for the blind tasting part of it. So, I I wasn't in the tasting panel and I flew down to Miami for an event while I was in Miami, the event got canceled. It was like, it was in March of 2020. Um, and I was so upset. I I came home and I had no idea that I totally forgot that we even had done our, our blind tasting and everybody started coming up to me and telling me congratulations. I was like, on what? They were like, your blend one. And I was like, what? And they were like, how are you the last person to find out? I was like, this is great. You know? Um, so that was, that was really exciting. And it, and it did, it was really well received. I will say, um, just because I, I got to try to be humble, not completely arrogant, although it's very easy to, (laughs) I, I really do think that, you know, with series one and two, they, they were also really good. It's just, our brand wasn't quite as well known yet. We were still kind of getting out there. And I think by the time discovery three hit, 
We had a lot more brand awareness. Um, Discovery 2 had won a double gold at the San Francisco Spirits competition. But by the time it won that award, uh, you know, it was already sold out. So everybody was like ready to try Discovery 3. And I think that definitely kind of helped with with the buzz behind that specific release and, and really everything it's, it's like fusion. It's like everything in the discovery series is incredible in my opinion, but so completely different from each other, possibly even more so than the fusion series. So it's, it's really hard to compare apples to oranges, but everybody's got their own preference, their, their taste. Right. And it's, it's great to be out in the market and to like, I, I do that when people are like, Oh, there's this one discovery series. I'm like, which one? <laughs> and, and I love the answer. And I, and I, no matter what the answer is, I love it. And if it's, you know, not discovery three, I, I'm just as happy that they, that that's something they can't wait to tell me, you know, about, about a product in general. So um, yeah, it's super cool. Probably one of my biggest accomplishments, you know, um, and I'm very, very proud of that. To give you, you know, a little more kudos to add to to add to your awesomeness. I've had twice now people, and I I messaged the team here because I wanted them. This I had to get this out. Um, I've had two amazing people in the industry, heroes, I guess you could say, of mine, um, Lisa Wicker and and um, um, Jim McEwen essentially say the same thing um you think it's about the consumer what you you know don't make whiskey for the consumer make whiskey for yourself and the consumer if you're good will trust you um and and essentially they've both told me the same thing i think if we trust the product we trust the brand and we trust the people behind it you're going to create a quality product i think when you chase the consumer and you chase what you think Nothing wrong with that, but you end up with a, you know, what's the terminology? You end up with boring. a, ma- not boring, but mass produced, you know, um, you know, Johnny Walker and I love Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker fans want Johnny Walker. So you got to keep pleasing the consumer. Um, and that's their shtick. And I like it. That's not what's happening here. What's happening here is we have quality people like yourself that truly care, that trust their own palate, that trust their own ability, that are you know, masters in their craft, making a product and saying, we're serving you something that we put everything behind. You're going to like it because we know we trust and we have, you know, we have confidence in ourselves, and that's what we get from the whiskey. And that's what we get from it is again. And I keep bringing up the, 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 the show is fun. The bottle's beautiful. The, the liquid just speaks for itself. It's obviously made by people that to be frank, give a shit. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, the oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's people that do care and that's a quality company that does care. And that's what it is. It's also really cool that you got to make <laughs> the one, the one, uh, the one batch that I hear most people say is one of their favorites from that series. I've also heard that people, you know, and now I can say, well, I happen to have met the person that may have blended it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, did you really? Yes, I did. And, you know, but um, no, that's really cool. So that's that was less of a question, more of a kudos and kind of ca- to I respect that. And I have a lot of uh, a lot of appreciation for that mentality. So, you know, thank you for for bringing us that. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, chasers, we're just going to pause there for this week. But don't worry, we're going to continue this conversation again next week on the Cast Chasers podcast. And in the meantime, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cast Chasers. You can also join our Facebook group. Don't forget to check out our website, which is castchasers.org, for show notes, Cast Chasers swag, and much more. And until next time, remember, 
It's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase. Thank <laughs> you.